So anyway, we're on lesson number six of our summer quarter, 2022. The title of the lesson is The Value of Discipline. That's important. And it'll be on Proverbs 12 and 13. So section A, well, Lord, we do thank you for your word. And um, we know that, uh, you know, sometimes you, you yourself bring difficulties as uh, you brought a severe famine upon Egypt. And it was for your purposes. And that purpose was to move Israel into Egypt. And uh, so, and now we have severe times upon our land, and um, uh, we have uh, poor political leadership right now. And uh, this, uh, you work in these times, and so we look forward to your working in these times. But in any time, what we learn from Proverbs will benefit us greatly. And so we pray that you teach us and help us to follow these, um, this wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first section is favor from God. That's what we want. And it's uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Can I get somebody to read that? 1 through 8, chapter 12. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, so the title of our lesson is The Value of Discipline. And discipline is mentioned in the very first verse. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Can anybody tell me the definition of discipline? Yeah, this is the dictionary definition. Discipline. Training expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior. Or controlled behavior resulting from such training. A synonym is self-control. Okay? And that's the fruit of what? That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, is self-control. So, um, now when, you know, I've heard some parents teach their children that saying stupid was a bad word. Yeah, if it's in the Bible, it's not a bad word. <laughs> so, how would you define the word stupid? Thinking about yourself? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think ignorant and stupid are a little bit different. Ignorant means you haven't learned. It's before you've learned. Stupid means you won't learn. Yeah. Right. Ignorant is before you have had a chance to learn it. So, I mean, the dictionary definition of stupid. Slow to learn or understand. Obtuse. And it results in this context, from a lack of fear of the Lord. If you don't have a fear of the Lord, it makes you stupid. Page 47 in the quarterly, this is, I thought this was an interesting question. It says, what is the difference between being diligent and being a workaholic? Right, right. So you, you sacrifice things that are important. Yeah, I think it's a lack of balance. Right, the lack of balance so that the work becomes a god, yeah, or, or the pursuit of whatever you get from the work, wealth or power or something like that, yeah. So, I mean, all through the Proverbs, we're told to be diligent. We're told to work hard, work hard. 
So the second verse, the first verse contains the lesson title. The second verse contains the section title, which is favor from God. A good man will obtain favor from the Lord, but he will condemn a man who devises evil. One. Good. Yeah, that so it depends on your definition. That led to my second question. How do you become good? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, becoming good means first trusting in the Savior and second, listening to the Savior. That's how you're good to others. You know, you can be saved and be terrible to others. And that is not what it's talking about here. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing, you know, the Lord wants us to first believe in him and then listen to him once we do believe. Right, yeah, because once we believe in him, then the Holy Spirit begins to guide us. And and we, you know, submit to that guidance, and usually it's through the word that we get that instruction. So, <clears throat> and what will happen? You will obtain favor from the Lord if you do that. That's something I want. So, verse 3, a man will not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will not be moved. So, do you think the wicked may have some successes? Yeah, I think that that's the key that it's telling us there is that, um, you know, sin is fun. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. It's fun. Or it's easier. Sin is fun. Why would you sin if it wasn't? If you didn't enjoy it, it is, we do enjoy it, you know, and right. But the price is really high. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. price is really high, and it lasts a long time. And uh, so, and sometimes it's never reversed. So, um, so yeah, it, you know, so a man will not be established by wickedness. So he can have some short-term successes, and even the tribulation period itself. The Antichrist will rule the world. Talk about success, but how long does it last? It lasts seven years. And then he's dead. And um, he's in the lake of fire. And so, but the root of the righteous will not be moved. Okay? So that, if you want long-term success, that's what you want. So in verse 7, it says, The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. You know, if you want stability, long-lasting, then you will listen to the Lord. And, uh, you know, even Asaph, remember Asaph, Psalm 72? He was really bummed out because he's seeing the prosperity of the wicked. And it goes on for like half of the psalm, which is a pretty long psalm. And he says, until I went into the sanctuary. Then he realized what the outcome of the wicked would be. And then he wasn't so envious of them anymore. And, you know, we need to remember that. That's why we need to come here and learn about this. Because out there you don't see that. It's, it's hidden. Yeah, so verse 4 of course, Proverbs skips around. Another topic, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness in his bones. So now this goes both ways, of course. 
you know, it's talking about the wife to her husband, but, um, you know, a rotten husband to a good wife can also be a burden. So a good wife brings a multitude of blessings to her husband. A multitude of blessings. And um, so she is his crown. Yeah, in contradistinction, a bad wife or husband can create a genuinely hellish existence. You wish you were dead. So that's why, and you know, we're all past this point in our lives, everybody in this room, but we're past this point of choosing a spouse. I guess you can see my mother got married when she was 84. <laughs> so I guess we're not too... But, you know, consulting the Lord on choosing your spouse is extremely important. Extremely important. Yes. Right. And, and uh, you know, that is causes pain also. And so anyway, you know, for believers, there's marriage is a one-way street. It's like going into those places that have the spikes up. You can't back up. <laughs> You know, I mean, the Lord gives you no out of marriage. There is none. No That's right. Can. You will make it work. Yeah. And so you trust the Lord to help you make it work. So that's why what, either Kate or Janice, somebody said that, to not be unequally yoked. You must marry another believer. But other believers sin too. There's going to be conflict in every marriage of some kind. Always. Some could even turn on Exactly, yeah. And so, yeah, Ephesians 5, the end of Ephesians 5, is extremely important for marriage. And each person should pay attention to what is directed to him and not what is directed to the other one. For example, the husband should love his wife like Christ loved the church. He shouldn't look to the what it says to the wife. He should look what it says to him. The wife should look what it says to her. You respect your husband. Yeah, 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 marriage is meant to represent the church, the Lord and the church. Bless you. Verse 5, the thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. So the Lord cares not only about our deeds, but our words and even our thoughts. And I, I don't know. That's a rough one. Right. And, you know, I mean, Really, that's what makes uh, pornography a sin. Because pornography, you take in images and you think about them. And if you think about them long enough and incessantly enough, you will act on that. You will act out. And it leads to immorality, unfaithfulness. And so uh, pornography is a sin. And Jesus Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. So the thought, the, the anger. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into hell. And the same thing about lust, and this goes to the pornography issue. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her 
in his heart. We can't totally control our thoughts. I mean, come on, let's be real here. But you don't have to dwell on it. You know, say, okay, that's where the Bible comes in. You know, if you think is this, read this. <laughs> if this is happening to you, get it out. You know, you got it on your phone. Your phone's always attached to you. Yeah, you know, read read it. This reminds. This is a little on a more lighthearted note because you said you're telling your kids to do this. <laughs> My girls for Father's Day got me this card that says, "Oh, we love you so much, Dad." You know, you've always said you don't do something, you shouldn't do something, something, and then uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's what they're hearing. What I'm telling, what I'm instructing them, you know, this is here, something, something, blah, blah, blah. So verse 8, a man will be praised according to his insight, but when a perverse mind will be despised. So someone trained in scriptural thinking will be praised. If you're trained in scriptural thinking, you'll be praised if you act on it. And, and when you're praised, what do you do? You deflect it to God. Because that is your purpose. That's why you're made, to deflect the praise to him. Because he deserves it, and we don't deserve it. Okay, so section B, common sense. That's a rare thing nowadays. Somebody want to read that? Verses 9 through 16. All right, thank you, ma'am. So verse 9, Better is he who is lightly esteemed and has a servant than he who honors himself and lacks bread. So live within your means. That's what that is talking about. Yeah, they're putting up a facade, right? A, a false front. Yeah. That doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the most common way that is done is by debt. Anyway, verse 10, a righteous man, this this is, yes, I understand why that's your favorite, the, our, our dear veterinarian here. So a righteous man has regard for the life of his animal, but even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. So care for your animals is a godly thing. So verse 11, this has to do with uh, discipline. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. I know someone who's pretty close to me who has a lot of schemes for making money. And instead of just working, just, you know, faithfully working, which is what the Bible suggests or, you know, commands, that he and he, you know, steady work, much more reliable than get-rich-quick schemes. Um, you know, you should get a job, and if the Lord leads you to that job, you should stay in that job until the Lord leads you out of it. And uh, that's that's the way to, to do it, instead of jumping around looking for everything better. So verse 12, the wicked man desires the booty of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. Honest work is reliable. This, you know, <laughs> then down to verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Isn't that true? But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. See, it's difficult for people to listen to people who say, no, that's not true. 
This way is better. Isn't that hard to do? I find that hard to do. Or even ask for it, yeah. So it's good to seek someone godly and more experienced for counsel with uh, things. So verse 16, a, fool, a fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. So wait and think before responding to provocation. That makes me think of Alex. Alex, Alex is my defender on Facebook because, you know, I'll get into these, I won't call them tiffs, they're discussions, you know, about the last discussion was, well, it was both about, it started out about heterosexual marriage. I said heterosexual marriage for life was the only thing God endorsed. And uh, someone who's related to me attacked me for that and immediately switched to abortion. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we went back and forth and I tried to reason with her and, uh, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And then Alex came to my rescue. And he's done that more than once. He'll come to my rescue and he sees I'm struggling on there, <laughs> which I appreciate. Okay, so section C, truthful words. So how about I'll read that one. Verses 17 through 28. He who speaks truth, there's the truthful words, tells what is right, but a false witness, deceit. There's one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule. There's that diligence again. But the slack hand will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. A lazy man does not roast his prey. That, that one always grosses me out. But the... He doesn't roast his prey for eating it. Yeah. <laughs> But the precious possession of a man is diligence, and the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. That's a good way to end it. This is at the end of section B. Uh, these proverbs in section B can be boiled down to a few principles. Live within your means. Shun the fa facades of success. Seek the advice of people you trust, and guard guard what you say, especially when you're provoked. That was a good dis distillation of that. So in verse 17, it talks about, He who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. This is from the quarterly also. Over 100 verses in the Proverbs give warnings about controlling the tongue and being wary of those who do not.
The tongue's really important in how we speak. So we want to speak, you know, reasonably, godly, without perversity, um, with love, building people up, rebuking them when necessary in the correct way, you know, etc. Uh, the tongue is extremely powerful. So verses... 17 through 19, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. So all these truth-telling is right and will be established. Verse 20, deceit is in the heart of those who practice evil, but counselors of peace have joy. So if you're counseling peace, you're going to have joy. And they used the example of Rehoboam. Remember Rehoboam? They, Jeroboam came up and said, uh, we want you to back off from what your your policies under your father, you know, the slave labor, the forced labor, and everything. It's very difficult, high taxes, all this stuff. We, we would like you to back off, and we will serve you. Yeah. And he he got the... Yeah. Right, he went to the council of his, his father's counselors oh, first, yeah. And they said, you should. You should back down. They will serve you forever. It, you'll, it'll be a win for you. And then he went to his buddies. And the buddies said, and the buddies told him to double down. And, the, you know, a few verses later, we read that that was from the Lord to fulfill the prophecy of Ahijah, the Shelanite, to Solomon, that he would take most of the kingdom away. It was disastrous. Yeah, so the counselors of peace, the older counselors, you know, if you listened, it would have went much better. Yes, see, and his dad wrote this. Yeah. So verse 21, no harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. That's a benefit. Now, the righteous will go through tough times, won't you? We just finished reading Job. He went through a pretty tough time, you know. And uh, yeah, and the but the Lord brought him through. Yeah, martyrs. Right, but there's always a sunrise. So verse twenty-two: Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are His delight. Again, about the lips. Now, contrast this with Islam. Islam has a doctrine called taqiyah. Everybody, everybody heard of taqiyah? I've, I've talked about it here before. Taqiyah is the doctrine that you can lie to advance the cause of Islam. So Allah is a liar. So, and, I mean, that's just another indication that Islam is uh, satanic. But about... So this is what Hebrews says about God. Uh, Hebrews six eighteen. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. It is impossible for God to lie. It's an impossibility. So that's why this, this word is trustworthy. God has told us what happened. This is history from the creation to the end. This is, you know, it's an overview of history. And uh, this is how it is. This is how it happened. 
because it is impossible for God to lie. And Christianity and Judaism also, by the way, has no such thing as tekiya. You tell the truth. <laughs> so again, verse 24, the hand of the diligent will rule. So diligence is a, important to the Lord. The slack hand will be put to forced labor. So you'll be turned into a slave. And, uh, you know, that's, there's, a, there's a certain policy that's fashionable out called the UBI, Uniform Basic Income. I think that's what it is. So, well, let's just give everybody a certain amount of money so that, yeah, that is called communism. But that's very common. You know, Andrew Yang ran on that for president last time. And uh, that goes directly against one of the uh, divine institutions, labor. You know, the Lord said, you're going to work from your own sweat. You're going to survive from your own sweat, not from somebody else's sweat, yours. So um, that's why it never, ever, ever works, ever. Verse 25 is anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. So that's, you know, it's good to cheer people up. We also have Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which says, Be anxious about nothing, but instead pray, and the Holy Spirit will take your anxiety away if you pray. And then verse 28, I love, In the way of righteousness is life. In its pathway, there is no death. Righteousness protects you. It protects your life physically, your physical life. So, um, okay, I know bells ring. I'm going to read 1 through 9 of chapter 13, which is about authentic wealth. That's section D. A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of a man's mouth he enjoys good, but the desire of the treacherous is violence. And that word there, violence, in the Hebrew, I like to read this in the interlinear Hebrew, that word is Hamas. Yeah. Hamas means violence. Isn't that interesting? The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. A righteous man hates falsehood, but a wicked man disgust, acts disgustingly and shamefully. Righteousness guards the one whose way is blameless, but wickedness subverts the sinner. There is one who pretends to be rich but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor but has great wealth. Okay, this is just like the one we saw in the last chapter, right? One pretends to be rich through debt. Okay, so they buy all sorts of stuff. They don't own any of it. Something bad happens and everything's foreclosed on. Another pretends to be poor, so he lives a very modest lifestyle, but he has savings. He has great wealth. That's the way you want to be. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but the poor hears no rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked goes out. You want to be willing to accept discipline. You want to avoid rebellion. You want to be careful what you say. You want to work hard. This can be done in retirement also. You don't have to just sit home and watch TV. There's, there's things you can do. <laughs> yeah. 
You can read, you can pray, you can do things for the church, you can study Hebrew, you know, you can do all sorts of stuff. Verse 8 is interesting. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but the poor hears no rebuke. So the, the quarterly said, everybody has some kinds of problems, right? The wealth, the wealthy, the poor, their problems may be different. For example, a wealthy man may be kidnapped and held for ransom because he has wealth. The poor man doesn't have to worry about that, okay? Because he has no wealth. Who's going to kidnap him? <laughs> Yeah, so the poor hears no rebuke. You know, he has other problems. So, but being kidnapped is not one. So anyway, that's the end. And uh, so, Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. Help us to pay attention to it. Amen.